Well, I see a lot of people saying that they want to reduce the pollution, but I don't see, and I hear a lot of like, okay, the big businesses, they should do something or the government, they should do something like they should ban this and they should ban that and they should tax this. But then still, I don't know anyone who's given up flying like in my life. I guess people like Greta. So everyone kind of recycles, but no one's willing to not fly. No one, most people still eat a lot of meat. From my perspective, I, I see a lot of people saying we should do something and not really doing anything themselves. Welcome to the award-winning Leadership in the Environment podcast. We guide you to living better by your values. We bring you relevant views on important topics without doom and gloom. We focus on awareness and action. It's about bringing fun, community, and connection to your everyday life. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and turning on notifications. Let's do this. My guest today, Andreas Larson, and I go back a good five or 10 years. He hired me originally as a coach when he was selling his share of a business that he co-founded. He was a tech co-founder programmer who started a business. And he appears in my book, Initiative, about that experience and sharing what he's done since. I invited him as a guest for two big reasons. The first he started the Leadership in the Environment Sweden podcast. I shared with him, I don't know, a year ago about my vision of working with people who wanted to lead in the area of the environment in a way that would help themselves become valuable in their communities. So I wanted to help people start new branches of leadership in the environment for groups that I myself wouldn't reach. I'm not Swedish. I'm not going to reach them. I would love for him to do that and become really big in his world. Maybe he'll expand from Sweden beyond there. I'm not sure. So I trained him. And he's still learning. He's only had a couple of guests so far, me being one of them. But you'll hear in this episode his experiences, how shy and introverted he felt before starting growing up, as did I, for that matter, and how much the training led him to enjoy it. I read that he's still getting used to it, but he really loves it. But you'll hear it in his voice. The second big thing is that he has taken on challenges to act on environmental things, his values, to where he looks forward to taking on more. That's something you hear of a lot of guests in his case, he's been, he and I have known each other for a while, and partly I've walked him through some of these things, but partly it's just him on his own recognizing these things. So he talks about his challenges to avoid plastic, sleeping outdoors once a month, limiting his meat, and the unexpected joy that these things have brought him. He talks about how acting changes his perspective from expecting things to be a burden or a chore to enjoying the process, even processes that he was scared to do before. It changed him from feeling disconnected what for me feels twisted up inside when you're doing something that you know you don't want to do, but you feel powerless. For him, I think there's also a lot of his social uh, ability to talk and express himself. And that led to learning more about himself. He's still early in the process. So I look forward, I'm sure I'll bring him on more times after he's reflected a bit more on some of the things he talks about here, because I think he's onto some things and he can probably put things similar to what I would say, but different. And some things that are just totally different for me, but he's had, he's done more than, well, I, I can't say more. Everyone's done their own unique things as a result of their, in, my influence or whatever leads them to act on their environment. But he's done some things that are beyond what a lot of people do. And he's gotten this joy. I believe that he has changed his life significantly and he's not going back. And I think he really likes it. That's what I really wanted to bring out here. Don't take my word for it. Listen to him in his words and hear what it is. If I missed it, let me know. But otherwise, I hope that you will listen actively, thinking about your communities one's people and communities that you would like to bring joy and stewardship to. And notice how strong his fears were before he got started, and now he's enjoying doing this. If you would like to start a Leadership in the Environment branch, contact me. Let's start training you, and let's start you meeting 
befriending and becoming a peer of the most important people that you can think of and enjoying the process as you do it. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Andreas Larson. Andreas, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. I'll tell you why I'm very good in a little bit, but first I want to introduce you. All right. So longtime fans may know Andreas from my book, Initiative, because he's, uh, I guess we met five, six years ago. Yep. The business that you helped co-found, uh, your share is being bought out. And I helped you with the coaching uh, to, to sell the business. Yes. And then we've been in touch ever since. And recent listeners know you as uh, the guy who started Leadership in the Environment Sweden. And so we go back and it's mostly, it started off as a business relationship, but now it's also including, I don't know what you call Leadership in the Environment. It's not business, it's passion. Yeah. But maybe that, that's like a quick overview of, of our relationship. And so people feel comfortable knowing who you are. But can you say a bit about yourself and kind of, leading to how you decided to start Leadership in the Environment in Sweden. Okay. Well, my background is in uh, tech, and uh, I had this business uh, that helped me uh, sell my shares. And I guess after that, that experience, I, I did some traveling, and um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, like what direction, because I was kind of sick of uh, working with computers. And I don't know. For some reason, I just felt kind of drawn to like the environment. I think here in Sweden, a lot of people say it's really important to them, but we still do a lot of things that are contrary to that. And I, I started feeling like I wanted to act more on it. Was that as a result of me or on your own? And how long ago was that? A year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago? I think it's been uh, a gradual over the last five, six years uh -huh. that it's started to feel more important. And I'm, I'm sure you're a big influence there. I think that this idea that it's uh, not a chore, like it's not a sacrifice, or that it doesn't have to be, I think that's from you. And I've done some experiments where I avoid plastic before, and I've done some experiments with uh, like vegetarianism, like not eating meat. I don't know. Now that I'm thinking of it, I haven't really thought exactly why or how I got into this. But I guess maybe I want to do something important something that feels worthwhile. And mm -hmm. yeah, the, I mean, the environment, we have a lot of problems there. So yeah, if I can do something, I feel like that's something that will bring me like, meaning. I'm curious. I haven't been to Sweden. Greta's in Sweden. I've met Greta very briefly. And, but I feel like in the world, in the Western world, Sweden is in the forefront of reducing their pollution. But then actually Greta, I just listened to her, that online thing that she did with Swedish radio. And she mm -hmm. read a book of hers in English, I guess, kind of different chapters. And she talked about how different ways people have of lowering their pollution. And one of them, she said, is fake accounting and like act like, like whenever I hear someone say net zero, I'm always thinking, all right, someone's figured out a way to cook their books to make it look like they're not polluting and they just shovel it off somewhere else. Yeah. And she said, that's happening a lot in Sweden. And I was surprised to hear that because I thought it was more genuine there. What's your impression? What do you see in Sweden of people? saying they want to reduce versus actually wanting to reduce? What does it look like to you? Well, I see a lot of people saying that they want to reduce the pollution. And I hear a lot of, um, uh, like, okay, the big businesses, they should do something. Or the government, they should do something. Like, they should ban this, and they should ban that, and they should tax this. But then still, 
I don't know anyone who's given up flying, like in my life. I guess people like Greta, like they do it. And yeah, okay, so everyone kind of recycles. Mm-hmm. That is like, but no one's willing to not fly. No one, most people still eat a lot of meat. So yeah, from my perspective, I, I see a lot of people um, saying we should do something and not really doing anything themselves. So what changed in the past five, six years? You took on the challenge of lowering plastic, eating less meat. So I guess you would, would you, as I would, me five years ago, I was one of them. Were you also one of them? I mean, or did you just not care? Or did you care but didn't act? Or Yeah, I, was, I would probably say I said we should do something about it. But I didn't really, no, I didn't care that much. I guess I, I still flew all over the world and ate a lot of meat or animal products. Yeah, I didn't really care about, yeah, I don't think I even recycled. So yeah, I didn't do very much then. So what changed over the past few years? Well, I th- yeah, I mean, for sure, being in contact with you has probably influenced me. And I think I've always kind of felt like this is one of those things that is kind of important, or it is really important, but, you know, you figure out ways of uh, not really thinking of it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you come up with excuses and you come up with, yeah, I remember uh, one of my friends, she said something, uh, I think it was like wasting water, or she thought I was wasting water. And I remember saying to her that, well, I mean, it's just me. Like, what, what does that matter? Like, I'm just one person. It doesn't, like, yeah, it's not going to make any difference. So things like that. Okay, so you said that, and then I, it sounds like then you thought about that afterward, and that gave you a chance to rethink that. Like, was that one of the things that changed you? I thought you were saying, you said that, and then you were like, after that, thinking, what was I just saying? But I'm not sure if that's what you meant. No, I mean, when I said that, I, I, I kind of meant it. Uh, it was only... I don't know, probably years after that I started to, I know it's hard to say, it's been a very gradual process, but now I would, yeah, now I feel bad if I feel like I'm wasting water. Like I I won't, I don't know, it's just started to become more of a, I guess I I recognize the thought process. Like whenever I do those things, I know that I'm just coming up with excuses and like in the end, I'm, I'm not helping myself. I'm not helping anyone else by polluting, really. And now, you feel bad wasting water. Do you feel bad using water when it's not wasting it? I mean, when you're just drinking water, do you feel bad? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, if I w- would uh, let the water running, I would let, leave it running. And yeah, that would feel like wasting. But I mean, this, this always, I feel like there's always going to be a compromise because like just living will take up resources. Like I got I to gotta drink water, I got to eat, I got to have some place to live, some amount of traveling going to work and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm glad you said this because I feel like people think that the goal is to have, is like to just disappear from the world or something like that. It's not, it's always balanced. It's just, do you try to, you know, take consideration of how you affect others? When you do, then you're still balancing things. You're just moving the balance over in, in a more benign, to me, feels like a more benign direction. And the goal isn't like, that's why I asked you if you feel bad when you drink water. Like, I don't, I don't feel bad when I drink water. I feel bad when I'm wasting water. I, yeah. I was going to ask you, what's it like when you see people, them wasting water? Like someone turns on the water full blast and then they walk away to do something and then they come back and like turn it back off. It's, what, do you ever see stuff like that happen? Yeah, I had one of those. It's not water, but I saw this. I was out for a walk yesterday and I saw this guy 
he was sitting in his car and he had the AC on and he was standing there for a long time. And, and I thought that was kind of wasteful. I mean, yeah, I guess I kind of judge it sometimes. Well, so you thought it was wasteful. What, did, what emotions did you feel? If you don't mind my asking. I don't know if I can put a name to it, but I felt like some annoyance maybe that, because I feel like, yeah, I mean, I mean, we're all sharing this planet and if someone's polluting, like it's going to hurt everyone. It's kind of like, um, like we have a big park around near where I live. And sometimes I see people like they will have had these big uh, parties and they will just have left like all their trash everywhere. And like the birds have come there and they're like spreading everything out. And then I'm like, oh, come on. Like this is this is our park. Don't they also live here? That's kind of how I feel. And it's so, I don't know, it's like disrespectful and it's, I don't know, they're making everything worse for everyone. Audio went away. I have this picture of Sweden that stuff like that didn't happen. And it does. Oh man, I thought that was just here. I thought it was like Amer- America does that a lot. Now, what about people who say, look, just take it easy. You know, it, this stuff happens. Someone's paid to clean it up. If you're just, you're making yourself feel bad unnecessarily because those other people didn't mind. Wouldn't, would you rather be you now? Presumably you were one of them before. Presumably you went to the park sometime and left stuff. Maybe you didn't mean to, but you're in a group and I don't know, you put something down and talked to someone and forgot that the thing was there. And when you left, you had no idea it was there. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't life easier if you just don't think about that stuff? In a way, I guess you could say it's easier, but I wouldn't want to go back to when I was polluting unnecessarily. Why not? Because is your life more difficult now or what, what's the payoff? If you, if you have to take more responsibility, do you get, is there some benefit out of it? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a reduction of like anxiety or something like that. That if I previously, if I wasted water or if I left uh, my trash somewhere or if I just flew around the world, even though I knew, knew that it was going to have polluted a lot. I mean, I probably still had these values that I think it's important not to take care of the planet, like for, for coming generations and all that. But you find ways of, you come up with the excuses or you lie to yourself. But I, I feel like that's still there. You still have that anxiety. So when you change your behavior, so when you act on these deeper values, I feel like there's like a small amount of anxiety that kind of just goes away. Like I don't feel, yeah, something like that. Yeah, the way I always put it, tell me if this rings true for you, is that I feel before I was twisted up inside. Like I, I knew what I was doing and I would push down as far as I could to below my conscious awareness. I, that was the goal, was the effect on others. Like I knew that when I was flying before, before I looked up just how much pollution flying caused, I knew it was still polluting. And I was like, ah, oh, I should look that up. I'll look it up later. It's probably not that much. And I knew what was going on. And I could tell myself that, it, that I, I wasn't. So that to me, I call it twisted up. Now, what you didn't mention is that there's another feeling, which is a feeling of stewardship. There's a feeling of taking others into account, which to the outside, it might seem like, what's the point of extra responsibility? Who wants more responsibility if you don't get any benefit from it? But that feeling is its own reward that I've not been able to put into words to people, that people feel like I'm high and mighty or something. I've, I don't know what they, th- what they hear when I say it, but it's like, 
it's a feeling of, I, I guess, not being a parent, I can't say what it's like to be a parent, but I feel like if a parent wants to do something and the child gets sick and then now the parent can't do it so because they have to stay home and take care of the kid, I believe that they love the child more for what looks from the outside like deprivation, but it's actually taking care of someone you care about. Mm-hmm. It's not just someone you care about. It's someone that's helpless to defend themselves. I feel like helping people who are helpless is really, that, is a, that creates a rewarding feeling. Am I unique in this? <laughs> No, I mean, that sounds, um, so, yeah, it sounds like kind of like what I'm feeling. I guess I haven't really thought of it in that way. I don't know. I'm still, I'm, know. I'm still trying to figure out, like, why am I doing this and what am I getting out of it? Because obviously, because I keep doing it, so I must be getting something out of it. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, yeah, it's not always easy to put into words, but yeah, I, I would agree with uh, what you said. Now I feel you saying that makes me feel I have to have you on another time because I want to hear how that develops. If you, sure. I mean, you, you strike me as an introspective type who will explore those feelings and, and come up with something later. I, I certainly have. Yeah. So actually I want to put, give some context to so the listeners who are wondering why, if he's, if they've known each other for so long, is he only bringing him on now? And so I want to read to you what, what prompted me to say, Oh, I got to get him on. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read from an email that you sent to me. That, and for context, I think when I was training you for how to start the Leadership in the Environment Sweden podcast, we, is that where the plastic challenge came from? Was doing that or did it just come from something else? Uh, yes. Yes. I, I have tried it uh, twice before, uh, like first one week and I did another one for two weeks. But yeah, when we started uh, talking again for the podcast, that's when I started this challenge. And that was right. for one month, but it's still going. Okay, so Andreas and I were talking about other things. And I've long been, an interest of mine was to start leadership in the environment branches. So other leadership in the environments so that people could start their own leadership in the environment. And if they're really sincere and, and wanted to connect with people in a certain community, the leadership in the environment a movement enables them to take a leadership role, but really connect with people in their world because people... I find really like to be on leadership in the environment podcast and share how, you know, it, there's a challenge to, that they have to take on, but they tend to enjoy it. And so Andreas is the first to take it on and do leadership in the environment in Sweden. And so he's just getting started. But part of the training was I train you or, you know, I'm, I'm saying this to the listeners also, because I hope that some of them will say, Hey, I want to start leadership, leadership in the environment, Silicon Valley or leadership in the environment, Brazil or leadership in the environment, women or whatever, something that I'm not, and you're not. And if you're into basketball and you want to meet the, all the top basketball players and coaches and you did leadership in the environment basketball, I will train you how to do the podcast, but also how to meet the most high status, valuable people or whoever, whomever you want to meet because it makes them look good and it gives them a positive experience. So I recognize that by starting leadership in the environment, Sweden, Andreas will almost certainly get Greta before I do. It's <laughs> like, darn, but I hope that happens. Uh, anyway, so. In part of the training, I walked, I did like the, what would normally be the first episode with a guest with Andreas. And I wasn't sure if it was the meat or the plastic because so many people have walked through. I don't always remember everyone. And so your challenge was to go for one month. What was it? Using no plastic or using minimal plastic? So the rule was no plastic when I get groceries for cooking at home. So I would still get like toothpaste and uh, plastic, but like no, no vegetables and no, no food packaged in plastic. Okay. So the stuff that you would, you would still get plastic, why, why the differentiation? 
Probably just to make it less difficult. Okay. I'm glad you said that because so many people, they tell me, Josh, I want to change, but like, what do you do about, what do you do about toilet paper? What do you do about toothpaste and toothbrushes? I'm like, have you gotten takeout in the past month? And like, yeah, I get takeout all the time. I'm like, the amount of plastic you take out is so much more than a toothbrush. And you're using a toothbrush to hold you back from changing things. Yeah. And just make it easy. Just don't deal with the toothbrush. And you know, deal with what's easy. Anyway, so because I got to say, every now and then I'm at a friend's and they're like, oh, we got some takeout, wanted some leftovers. And I'll taste it. I'm like, this tastes terrible. <laughs> and oh, I'm trying to get to reading this thing. But I got to say to the listeners, Yesterday, I emailed Andreas and said, can we move it back half an hour? Why do we move it back half an hour? Because I get up at 6 in the, in the morning. I got up at 5.20 this morning so I could go out to these mulberry trees that I know and I picked mulberries for an hour and a half, filling up the, the, the containers that I brought. And I feel like so indulgent because these mulberries, I mean, look, I can go to the store, but they're not fresh off the tree. And this is my secret trees. They're, they're in the middle of a parking lot in New Jersey. Like, Anyone can see these things and people walk by walking their dogs. And I'm afraid they're going to say, oh, are those edible? Because I don't want them eating my mulberries, right? It's fine if they eat them. I would, be, I would be absolutely no problem with me if I got there and the mulberries were eaten. But it's such a joy. And I used to love ice cream. I used to, I mean, I remember Ben and Jerry's at the food co-op where we grew up since it was like this, uh, like my, the co-op where we shopped was tuned in with that, that community. And we had Ben and Jerry's before anyone. I used to love that stuff. Oh, I loved it. And now there's not enough money in the world to get me to eat Ben and Jerry's. It's disgusting to me. Yeah. And it still tastes just as good. I'm not saying it now is worse, but fresh fruit is just so much better, especially when I pick it myself, when my arms get tired from reaching up so much. So sorry, I'm talking so much, but I appreciate you letting me go out 30 minutes later in order that I could, I had to run back to the train because I was picking up, like eating them. I can't, it's hard to walk away from a mulberry tree with all these ripe mulberries because there's more and more and more and they're just going to drop off on the ground. It, it wants me to eat them. It evolved for me to eat these things. And it's such a joy. I cannot explain how much more I love picking berries off a tree than eating ice cream out of the freezer. And I just saw this show yesterday. It was uh, In Defense of Food with Michael Pollan, a documentary. And it was showing some, I forget the name of the, the group in in Africa that's living the way they have forever. And they just go out and pick berries. And they're like, I could see them eating. I mean, they do lots of things. They hunt animals and so forth. But when they get the berries, they were like, people aren't gonna be able to see this, but I'm like taking my hands and going, like stuffing berries in my mouth. I'm like, it's so fun. I love that. Okay, so Andreas wrote me in an email about plenty of other things, but he said, you might find it interesting how my no plastic challenge is developing. Yesterday, I went to a summer party with my now former colleagues. I guess you're changing jobs. Yeah. And I've consumed very little plastic these past few months and I've gotten used to it and it feels good to not do that. So when they bring in all the food they've ordered for everyone, all of it packaged in plastic with plastic forks and plastic cups, I feel horrified. I keep seeing the mountains of plastic in India from that documentary you recommended, which is the story of plastic, which I highly recommend. That's me just on the side. And the plastic beaches in the Philippines. My rule is no plastic when I buy food in the store, but now I think I need to step it up. And when I read that, that rang so true to me of a big part of this is seeing what I used to do in, in other people's behavior. Can you expand on what you wrote there? Uh, sure. We're talking about berries. I just talked for a long time. Sorry about that. Sorry. So, yeah, I mean, I had this, uh, I had this challenge. So, and now with the virus and everything, I've been working from home. So I haven't really been in those situations. And it's not been very difficult to, to not get any plastic. 
because I mean, I'm just cooking for myself. And so I've been able to do that quite well. So whenever I go recycle, like I, I barely have to go to the plastic container. Like I just go to the, the paper one and I don't, I don't know, this just started to feel good. Like I, I knew that I wasn't contributing to, to like all the plastic and yeah, I've, I've kind of felt, I don't know. It wasn't really a big, big thing. Like it was just some small thing where I felt like it was a small thing that I just like to do. So I, I think that when I went to this uh, summer party and the contrast was just so big, because I remember I, I wouldn't have blinked an eye uh, like just like a year ago, probably. Or, I mean, a, f- a few years ago, I would, I would, it would just have struck me, struck me as normal that they bring in all this plastic. But I think a big part of like doing these challenges and not getting, in this case, plastic is like it kind of like increases your awareness again of um, your effect on the environment. Because now with the no plastic, I haven't uh, been able to get a hold of meat either. So I've done a lot of not eating meat. And I, I feel like it's the same there that it, it kind of raises your awareness again because then you can think of industrial farming and the way we're treating animals without feeling feeling bad and you can watch these documentaries about how we're like destroying the planet with plastic and you know not feel like you're a monster for being far like contributing to that as much anyway so yeah i guess you get less desensitized to the way yeah the way plastic affects our environment I'm reading that there's a piece of like, if you see someone every day, you don't notice their hair growing. But if you don't see them for six months and their hair got really long, you notice a big change. And it feels like you were making little changes on yourself that you didn't, you probably didn't notice these changes happen. And then you saw this big change where you, you went to a place where you, you wouldn't have blinked an eye before. And because horrified is not a small word. No. That's a pretty strong emotion. By the way, okay, so that honking out there, it's like the noise pollution is still pollution. It's weird because it's 9, 12 a.m. on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. There's zero reason for someone to honk out there. Yeah. I mean, there's no traffic. I don't know what the person's honking for. And they just kind of do it. And anyway, so I had to comment on that. You probably would have brought food from the store before that was in plastic. And are you less able to bring stuff to the party or, or are you less less able to enjoy the party or there's another thing. Did it take away from your experience, this increased sensitivity? Like some people might say, wait a minute, I don't want to do this little thing because I like my life as it is. And Josh doesn't fly and he doesn't do all these things. And I don't want to do, I don't want to give up so much as him. And I don't want to accidentally start if it ends up doing the next thing and the next thing, and the next thing. And then I'm going to be not having all these joyful things in my life. I think a lot of people feel that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people feel like that. And no, I don't. I don't feel like. No, I liked the experience. I liked. I liked the feeling of feeling horrified because I. <laughs> I feel like it, it, that's a sign that I'm like more aware of my effect on the environment. And I don't know. It made me want to do more because I when I went there, like I just kind of went with it because I wasn't really prepared. I, I didn't bring my own fork. I didn't bring my own cup, which I'm thinking maybe I should have. But 
so, so yeah, I just got all the plastic stuff and I was like, oh, why am I doing this? But I don't know. Yeah, for sure. When you do these challenges, whenever there's other people involved, like that's when the real challenges come. Because then you got to figure out, like, what are you going to do here? Like, am I going to, okay. Well, I mean, I guess I could bring my own fork. I could bring my own cup. That would be pretty easy if I just remembered to do that. And the food, I don't know. Maybe I bring my own food then. And also, because it was my last day at that work, like they also got me a gift. It's like a very nice uh-huh. gift, and it's very like, yeah. They like all the things I like. They they got me like a plant and tea and I don't know a, a bottle of really nice wine. So all uh-huh. all the things I like, and it was a very thoughtful gift. But you know that came like packaged in plastic, and everything was in uh-huh. single serving. Like this is the tea I got. So everything is in like one of these. It was individually packaged. This is this is uh, not plastic, but still. So what would I have done there? I mean, would I have just said no thanks? I mean, I don't know if I could have done that. Like, I still like the gift. It's very nice. But I, I didn't want the plastic. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it was like wrapped in plastic. So I guess I have to come up with some strategies for like these situations. Yeah, it, this reminds me of this. I mean, this this an, e- an email that I copy from person to person when they like a lot of times I'm on someone's podcast and they say, oh, what's your, what's your mailing address? And I write them back and I say, it's possible. I'm not sure what you're asking it for, but if you're sending me something, you may intend to send me something material. And I want to tell you that the, the, the thought means everything to me and the material thing would actually detract from that, that feeling. And so thank you very much. I appreciate that, that sentiment. If I understand you right, but you know, please no material things. Yeah. And I think now people have generally gotten, it, it's part of my identity that I think people will think twice before buying me something, but it still happens. I got a picture on my blog somewhere of, I spoke at some conference and they sent me unasked for, no, maybe they asked me my address. I don't know, but I got me, they got me like one of those tombstone things. It's like, like a plastic thing with the name of the conference on and my name and like distinguished speaker or something like that. I wrote them back and said, I appreciate this, but I really, please, this is opposite of what I want. And, but the sentiment means everything to me. And they're like, well, we can't do anything. This is one, we can't do anything about it. Two, we're a virtual company. So there's no like place where we can receive it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what am I going to do? I'm stuck with this thing. I don't want it. And it came packaged and all sorts of stuff. So I contacted the, the maker of the thing because it had like whoever made it. I contacted them. They didn't want it either. <laughs> so I'm like, no one wants this thing. So I mailed it back to them and said, I hope you can reuse it. It's got my name on it. So I, I doubt they can reuse it. They probably just like, oh, throw this away. Yeah. It's weird how much people... The material part is is actually negative, and they don't get that. I think people still feel bad when they throw the packaging away. I mean, if they don't feel bad because they just their their awareness is that low, I still think there's that twisted feeling inside hmm. that they know that you know. In another world, if we had a planet of two billion people, then and we weren't and things weren't manufactured like that thing you made was made out of paper. There's a decent chance there's some dioxin that was produced in the process of making that, and that's like one of the most carcinogenic things around. And so people are like, oh, it's going to de- decompose. It's like, oh, the more you start learning about it, the more you start caring about these things and the more, not just caring, but wanting to know, learn more. Like you're talking about that, the documentary, the story of plastic. How did you feel watching that having curbed your plastic? And how would you have felt watching it before having curbed your plastic? I think I wouldn't have watched it if I hadn't curbed my plastic. I think. Why not? Because I don't know, it would have made me feel bad, and 
I wouldn't didn't want to feel bad, <laughs> I guess. But uh, yeah, now now that I I felt I felt like mixed feelings. I felt in one sense I felt good about uh, what I was doing, like reducing my plastic. So I felt like oh, okay, I'm doing this right anyway. Maybe I can do more. But I still felt I mean, ugh, it's really it's really it's really horrible when you see yeah, when you see oh yeah, these these like these mountains of plastic or like this these animals that are get stuck in plastic and have they eat plastic so their bellies are full of plastic. It's it's horrible, really. And so in that sense, I mean, wow, we're really really messing up this planet and I mean, that doesn't feel good. Like even, I mean, I've contributed a lot to the mountains of plastic in India, probably, because it turns out that even if we don't have a lot of plastic lying around here in Sweden, I mean, well, what this documentary said is that, like the West, we kind of just export all our plastic to India and China. So I, I guess now in Sweden, we start to burn all our plastic. Great, problem solved. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was talking to some people who are... Uh, in that industry and we're just some people who are just um kind of close to that industry and they were all so proud of it it's like this oh we have these state-of-the-art plants with all these amazing filters where yeah we just burn all our trash and we reuse the energy for for heat and so it's everything is great that's what they think but i mean still it's still we're still like pumping all that oil out of the ground, refining it, making it into plastic, and and then it gets uh, released into the atmosphere. So, I mean, yeah, not really problem solved. Yeah, I think there's a change that happens when one goes, it's, it's an internal change, that before you feel you can do anything about it, you don't want more information because it makes you feel bad. It makes you feel powerless, or it makes me feel that way. Mm-hmm. After I feel I can do something, now I want to learn because that motivates me. So the same information can discourage someone who wants to curl up inside and, and just not know, and, or rather who feels powerless, who feels, well, there's nothing I can do about it, so what's the point? Why, I don't want to know information that's just going to make me feel bad. But once you realize that you can change and that change is not a burden or a chore, then you, that information motivates you to change more. That's the big change I want to get in people. It doesn't take much. It's like this little cusp like I think in the United States, we have something called the continental divide. It's, it's like a line that goes through the Rocky Mountains that on one side of drop of water that lands will eventually make its way to the Pacific. And the other side, it will eventually make its way to the Atlantic. So it's like the high point hmm. of across the continent. And every continent has something like this. Every watershed has something like this. I'm trying to get people to the other side of the divide. On one side, no matter what happens, they just don't want to know. They don't want to act. Stop talking about this. But if, if they... I believe that even just one experience can get them to the other side. And then it's a matter of time that they'll eventually get to where talking the way you're talking of, I want to see more of what my effects are because that will motivate me to change as opposed to before when I didn't want to know what my my effects were because that only reinforces how powerless I am. But we're not powerless. And well, to say the next part is pointless because I believe people have to experience it. They have to feel the effect of like, one effect I think a lot of people have is like they switch from stop using straws. I had this guy on the podcast the other day and he's like, oh, see, I'm drinking this with a paper straw. 
I'm right there with you. I'm like, oh, I had to bite my tongue and not talk. And he's like drinking out of a plastic cup with a plastic lid. I'm sorry, single use plastic cup, mm. disposable. And he's like, see, I'm with you. I'm like, <laughs> guest go. So I'm making this face. Andreas laughed because I'm making this face. And it's like, I'm thinking to myself, my, my purpose is to show off the guest. Leadership is not about where I think they should be or where I am or where they ought to be. It's where they are. I got to start with where people are. So to take him to task for that at that moment would have been, I believe, counterproductive. But I, I hope that at some point he gets to a point where, where I think you and I probably are both like, plastic straw? You don't need any straw at all. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, paper straw. You don't need any straw at all. And don't you notice the plastic cup? It's like, just drink out of a mug. And I hope that people get there. And it's, it's an interesting thing you said. I, I prefer feeling horrified. Yeah. I guess I prefer, I prefer the world doesn't have a horror show around me. But if there's horror around me, I'd rather be aware of it than not. And I'd rather be conscious of it than not. Yeah. Tell me about leadership in the environment in Sweden. You interviewed me for two episodes. Yeah. And you interviewed, is the episode with Johan up yet? You've recorded your first episode with someone else. Mm-hmm. How's the experience of going from, we talked about it a little bit, and then you decided, let's go for this. Mm-hmm. And then we did the training. And then you started, and I remember some of the training. I was like, all right, next week, you're going to do the episode. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to practice more. And I was like, you can practice all you want by next week. <laughs> <laughs> I see you normally as like with, with people you don't know as more shy. What was the process like of, of you've known about leadership in the environment mind for a long time and you warming up to it and then deciding to go for it? What was that like? Uh, it, was, um, it was difficult. I mean, it was uh, scary for sure. And a lot of, um, what do you say, like emotional challenges to, to overcome. Even to start or to decide that you're going to do it? All of it, really. I mean, I, I think one big piece is just getting used to the idea of starting, like to commit to actually do it. And every, like all the, the practicing the, the leadership techniques, all the recording, like these test episodes. And I... I mean, I guess none of it. None of it was particularly easy. I don't think it comes like natural to me to be like that much in the limelight. But yeah, I mean, still, there's there's something else that makes me want to do it. Probably, yeah, even more. So, yeah, there are some things that have been very rewarding about it. I don't really know how to put it into words, but I mean, I remember it used to be whenever I did something that was I felt was very scary, I would get like super energized and like excited and but whenever i've done these i kind of felt i don't know i felt it's like a very peaceful feeling and i don't know i feel really good about what i've done i guess part of it is just doing a podcast and i think that's kind of cool but it's also something that i feel is very like that's worthwhile a good use of my time and it's for a good cause something that helps everyone i think how did things feel the first time you were interviewing someone that wasn't me, someone you didn't know? Well, all the practicing really helped. Like the, the episodes I recorded with you and the practice episode I did, that helped. Because it's such a, like a foreign environment. And yeah, I, I think like the, the last episode I did was the, the one that went the best. Like That was the easiest. Because after a while, you kind of realize, okay, wait, so this is kind of just the conversation. Like it's not... It's not much more than that. I mean, yeah, we're, we're recording and people are listening. 
but I mean, in the end, it's just really a, a conversation. So it's not that big of a deal. So what would you, if you went back in time and talked to the you before he decided to do this, what would you say? I don't know. I don't know if there's anything I could have said or would have said. I felt like maybe I just needed some time to to get to that decision. And maybe it couldn't really have happened any sooner. When, when I was saying earlier, was I overselling it to saying, if someone wants to, I don't know, be really big, in, if they're in the music business and they want to meet all the big musicians and rock stars and stuff, and they wanted to do leadership in the, in the environment music, does it feel like even if they're not really connected or if they're shy or if they're introverted or whatever, if that's, if that's how they describe themselves, am I overselling it that this gives access to people? And I, I know you're very early on. You haven't talked to that many people yet. Uh no, I mean, I don't think you're overselling it. I mean, the last episode I did with uh, Johan, like he's the founder of a, a pretty, what would you say, like influential company. Like, So I, that's my third episode. When you say influential company, he, he runs an event that like 350,000 people come to, I think. Yeah. So that's pretty big. Yeah. My biggest party is not quite 300,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 30 people. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, for sure. I see myself being able to contact uh, bigger names. And, like, um, like we've, been, uh, we've been emailing about uh, how, we could, uh, how I could get in contact with uh, Greta. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that wouldn't be so big, really. Like, it doesn't seem... Did you go out on Friday? No, I didn't. Uh, even if she's not there, someone might be there. Yeah, you think so? Because I was watching, well, I was looking on uh, Twitter, and like it seemed like everyone was uh, school school striking for climate from from home. Could be. I would still go out. I mean, I don't know how far it is from where you are to the Parliament Building. Mm-hmm. If that's like a quick bike ride, but if it is, I would. I'd be like, I'd go out and see what was there anyway. Because mm-hmm. I, one of the things I find is that showing up is. I think Woody Allen said eighty percent of success is showing up, and there's a lot of things where just showing up gets you something. And, you know, it might be someone who knows her, it might be someone who is not her, but is still an organizer or just someone eloquent or just someone who really wants to get out there, just someone that's cool to meet. And if you're not there, it's almost certain you're not going to meet them. But if you are there, or if I do go to these things, like Ken Robinson, he's, I think, the most downloaded episode I have. And he's also the most downloaded TED Talk of all time. I went to go see him speak. After he spoke, I thought, when when he's finished speaking, I was like, I'm going to go up and talk to him and, and invite him to be on the podcast. So the whole room is thinking something like that. So he's swamped. And I'm thinking, oh my God, it's going to take like two hours for him to process through all these people before I get to go up there. And I don't just want to be up. A lot of them are like, sign my book and stuff like that. But I want to have a, I can't just say like, we'd be on my podcast because that's a very low chance of getting, yes, I want to talk a little bit and share what it's about. A lot of people say, I don't know know about the environment. And I, I want them more if they're an effective leader. And as I'm looking there, trying to figure out how am I going to talk to this guy? I look over and there's someone else who's, Name tag says something Robinson. I was like, that's the same last name. I wonder if it's, I wonder if he's related. And I go, you related? And he goes, yeah, I'm the son. And he basically, he's the COO. He, he organizes everything. So I'm like, oh, that's a person to talk to. So I speak to him. And that began the relationship with them that led to him being on the podcast, which was a tremendous episode. I mean, I love that episode. I would just say, say something to him. And he'd speak for five minutes, which in those five minutes would have been one of the best TED Talks you've ever seen except he was just extemporaneously saying it. And uh, I learned a lot from that. But it's just because I showed up. And you never know, even though he wasn't 
accessible directly in person that particular time, it did lead to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I'm going to get there. Uh, I think still it's a matter of getting used to the idea. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. How's my training? Was it useful? Was it helpful? Was it pushing too fast to, to, was it supportive? Was it? I wouldn't have done it otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, it's very effective. Like I've had this idea that I wanted to do a podcast for, for a long time. You know, I just haven't done it. Yeah, when this opportunity presented itself, I, I thought, yeah, um, let's go for it. And yeah, I don't know. It's very difficult, probably for everyone, to do things like this. So I, I feel like it, it helps a lot. Yeah, I, I feel like this is uh, like every time we're in contact, it, it leads to me doing something like that I wouldn't usually have done. Because uh, yeah, with because uh, we, we did, you helped me organize an event. You helped me sell my company or my shares. You helped me start this podcast. And one time I talked to you, we were, I shared, shared that I wanted to start doing stand-up. And I think that led me to actually do it. So, yeah, I mean, for sure, it helps. It's, it's very effective. So I was partly asking for someone listening, if they're thinking to themselves, hmm, maybe that is something I would do. What would you say to someone like that? Well, I'm thinking probably... There's a lot of people thinking that, well, I, I probably couldn't do that. Like, I'm not that kind of person. But that kind of person is, is not really a thing, I don't think. Like, I think everyone can. Like, if you want it and if you, you're just willing to take on the challenge and actually do it, yeah, like anyone, anyone can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Is that a statement of how shy you are? How, what's the word? What, when you say, if I could do it, anyone can, what makes you so far from someone who would be, who'd be easy for? Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, I was like very, very introverted and shy. Like, I think I've come a long way since then, but like, I never saw myself as a person who could do these things. So You never saw yourself as someone who would do these sorts of things. Did you wish? I mean, I always felt, when I was growing up, I was very socially inept and I, was always, I felt like I was on the outside looking in and I never would have expected I could do something, well... When I was younger, there were no podcasts, but you know, I didn't think that I could be someone that people would look up to and people would listen to and, or that I would feel comfortable in that role. But I wished I could. And it took me years and years and years to learn to get over my inhibitions or to, to, to develop the skills to handle those things and then eventually to do it. I'm, I'm reading that's what it's like for you, but I'm not you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's pretty much exactly how I felt. And what do you envision now looking forward? For the both, what do you expect the podcast to bring you, the world? What's success for you with regard to leadership in the environment, Sweden? Oof, I don't know. But for for the for now, I think I'm just really enjoying the challenges because I mean it is big challenges for me, and every time I do it, I'm like, wow, okay, I could do that, and 
I'm still kind of landing in like, where where do I want to go with this? And uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess I'm getting a lot of out of all these environmental challenges I'm giving myself. And I feel like that is helping, helping the world, helping people. So if I can give that to other people too, that, feel, that feels meaningful. And I, I feel like it's developing me as a person in a lot of ways that I really, really like. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, it's difficult to, um, I haven't really thought of exactly where I want to go with it. I'm just kind of enjoying uh, the process. It's interesting to, I'm, I'll be curious how that develops, but I, I love that something that was earlier would have been scary, you're now enjoying the process. That's a, to me, that seems like a major shift in, in, in one's life. Yeah. And I hope that people listening, I mean, I hope that people listening who are just like, oh, I'm just a natural. I can just talk to anyone about anything at any time. I hope that they want to do something like this. But I hope if there's someone who's like, I could never do that. I hope that they see a bit of themselves in you or in you and them. Because I'm listening to you. I'm like, that reminds me of like my whole life up until a certain point. Yeah. And I hope that the coaching can bring into others' lives this enjoying a process that ordinarily would have been scary that took me like 10 years to get. And with you, it's been on the order of months, if I, if I get that right. Mm. There's another challenge that you've given yourself that I don't think came from me at all, which is I think one night a month you sleep outdoors. Yeah. How did, where did that come from? And how's that going? How long has that been happening? Well, I went out uh, this... So I've been doing it for two months now. So I've been sleeping two nights in, in the woods. Well, I think it came from a lot of different things. I like camping. I had a few uh, pretty uh, profound experience with uh, like psychedelics that kind of mm-hmm. helped me, made me feel like I was very connected with nature. Like, um, I don't know if I can maybe describe it like uh, there was no separation between me and nature. That's kind of how mm-hmm. I experienced it. And ever since that, like if when those times I've actually gone into the nature and actually spent some time there, I feel like I, I can kind of uh, reach uh, some some state like that. Just you, nature, no others, no uh, yeah. chemicals. Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. You're just going into nature and just sitting there. I feel like, um, yeah, that's as close as I can get. That's something I really, I know that I really enjoy doing. But for some whatever reason, I have a lot of resistance to actually doing it and just going. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm usually very happy that I did it when those times I do do it. So yeah, so the challenge is like do that once a month, and yeah, because I know that's gonna make me actually do it. And so I just I, know, I like that. Does it occupy something? Does it give you a kind of satisfaction that's somewhere close to? Flying to Thailand? Uh, no, I don't know. It's not adventure. No, I wouldn't say it's like the same as traveling. What I'm getting at is you once flew, and now I take it you're probably going to fly less than you would have absent this change. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, probably so. If that's the case, then you're probably getting something out of your life now that's more than had you flown as much as you used to. Mm-hmm. And like I was trying to think of, I presume that you expect that if you did fly somewhere, you'd have just as much fun as you used to. And if you're preferring this to that, there's something that you're getting here that's greater than that known thing that you're not getting anymore. I mean, you talked about, in, in another conversation, you talked about like seeing the, the fjords of Norway and how beautiful they are. Yeah. 
and that's really close. Although I hear that Norway is not letting Swedes in now because of your guys' experiments with the virus. Yeah, I think most European nations don't want us anymore. <laughs> in, in this, we are together because they're doing that with my country too, oh. which is probably the safe thing to do. But I, I feel like you're probably giving something up. If you're giving something up, are you, what are you getting more? Is it, like I was, th- I was wondering if this was something the more that you're getting. Because that feeling of going outside, to me, it, may, it certainly made me think of picking up those berries. It also makes me think of how I, I arranged with my doorman. Don't tell my co-op board. But we're not, like the rooftop of my building closes, I think, at midnight in the summer, maybe 10 p.m. And I asked the doorman, do you mind if I just go up and sleep up there? And he's like, yeah, the night's I'm here because there's a camera and they, they can see. And you got me thinking, going to sleep up on my rooftop. And I think I'd really like that. Mm-hmm. It's not much effort because just go up the stairs. I'll let have a sleeping bag. Yeah, there's an appeal that is, I can sense on my part, there's a, a deep appeal to doing things like eating the fruit right off the tree to even picking up garbage feels, puts me closer to nature, even though I'm in an urban jungle and picking up the opposite of you know, what most people think of as natural. And I'm curious if that's something that's, that you're also experiencing. If this is better than something you used to love, what's better? Oh, I guess, I mean, I haven't really been doing this for very long, so I don't really know what I'm going to get out of it. Because, I mean, the first time I did this, like last month, was very different from this time. Because, I mean, first, the first time I did it, I, uh, I just brought like my the thing to sleep on and my sleeping bag, and I just went... And it was it was just super nice. But this time I had to. Well, first time I uh, yeah I was walking out into the pretty much the same place I went last time. But then I realized that like the mosquitoes have shown up. So I was thinking mosquitoes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I was yeah when I got to I was getting close to the place where I was gonna gonna sleep and I. I kind of start swatting like all these mosquitoes and I, I look behind and it's like a cloud of mosquitoes following me <laughs> oh, man. and I'm like oh crap no so so I just kind of turn back like I'm not willing to put up with that I don't yeah I just I hate mosquitoes so that was a failed attempt uh-huh. so next time that was actually this Friday I tried again so I have a tent that I've had for festivals and stuff. So, so I brought that one and I went to another place, another place where there's like, like a little forest and I was hoping, okay, maybe there's not going to be as many like mosquitoes here, but mm-hmm. turns out just as much mosquitoes there. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's fine as long as I'm moving because then they can't get to me. But mm-hmm. as soon as I started like pitching the tent, like they were all over me. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I just kind of rushed getting the tent up as soon as possible. And then I just kind of went in there and I just slept. So it wasn't very... So in the tent, you're okay? Yeah, in the tent, I'm fine. But I didn't get uh, I didn't get to just uh, like sit in the forest and kind of just take it in. Oh, I see. Yeah. And I'm reading that that doesn't stop you. I feel like this is... Okay, that's the next challenge I have to solve is figuring out how that's going to work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking like there's these uh, like mosquito nets you can get. Maybe I can get one of those and just kind of hide underneath. This is really intriguing. I, I'd love to keep talking. I don't want to make you late for your next thing, but um, I, I really appreciate you sharing this. You shared some stuff about yourself that it's like usually most people don't want to share. It's it's you know 
vulnerable. And I appreciate that. And I like to ask to close off, is there anything I didn't think to ask that you want to, that's worth bringing up or anything to share with the audience directly? I don't know. Maybe just uh, like if you, you have something you want to try, but you have some excuses for not doing it. I don't know. Just give yourself a challenge and see what happens. I'm pretty sure people who do that, they're going to like it. Well, cool. Andreas Larson, thank you very much. Thank you. I can't tell you how heartwarming hearing someone share how my influence helped someone improve his life, how heartwarming that feels. You can create that feeling for yourself by bringing the same thing to others yourself. I'm not sure what you heard, but I heard profound change in many areas, personal leadership, environmental stewardship, meeting people, self-expression, as well as the low-level stuff of just how to start a podcast. Most of all, I heard a deep connection with something powerful through connecting more with nature, and I guess the people around him. I heard him struggling to put into words the feelings propelling him to keep doing more, to look for more motivation, even when it means seeing something horrifying, and to share this, what he gets out of it with others. Again, if you would like to start a Leadership in the Environment branch, contact me. Let's start training you, and let's start you meeting, befriending, and becoming a peer of the most important people you can think of and helping them to get what Andreas is getting out of life, to get these changes and to change their world, to, to be a leader in your community and help others become leaders in those communities as well. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step-by-step, step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.